Hello, and thank you for listening to Let the Right Films In, a movie podcast from your favorite people. I am your host, and I'm a very good host, Tyler Hannon. With me in the studio, my co-host, Kayla St. Ange. Hello. Our fellow host, Lauren Melisi on the line. Hi. And joining us for the first time, Tyler Grimes. Hi, everyone. Tyler, thanks for joining the podcast. We had you were we were on your podcast once many moons yes. ago, but this is your first yes. time gracing our airwaves. Yeah, uh, long time, first time. Really happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and today we're going to be talking about a little a fun little movie called The Monster Squad. But first, we are going to go through some things we've watched recently. Some of which may be a little like The Monster Squad, and some a little. Totally different and random, just because whatever we happen to watch recently. Tyler, why don't you lead us off? What is something that you've watched recently that you're dying to talk about? Well, I like to start every summer by rewatching uh, Joe Dante's The Burbs. And uh, I got to do that recently and watched it with my girlfriend. I think it was her first time watching it. And I feel like it, it's a nice cousin to Monster Squad in a way with the, you know, the vague horror themes to it. Although Monster Squad is much more obvious in what it's doing with horror, but um, the Burbs is just a great horror comedy with uh, Tom Hanks and trapped in suburbia. Have you guys seen the Burbs? I actually no, have actually. Not. How have none of us seen the Burbs? Oh, <laughs> How man. Is, yeah. That, that needs to be next on the list. It's, next it's part. a really good movie. Um, just a lot of like what Joe Dante does best is kind of, he like makes, live action cartoons in a sense that he's got that manic energy, um, that silliness in these really kind of high stakes situations that I just sort of love. And Tom Hanks is funny in it. Bruce Dern's funny in it. Uh, Carrie Fisher is awesome in it. A lot of great people. Henry Gibson is awesome in it. And like a lot of, a lot of the Joe Dante classic characters are in it. And so the basic premise, um, Tom Hanks's character lives in the burbs at the end of a cul-de-sac. He's taking a week off from work in the summer. And uh, these neighbors, the Klopex, just move in next door. And at night, they uh, he starts hearing them digging in the backyard and sees an explosion go off in their basement. And um, over the course of a week, he and his neighbors sort of try and break into this house to try and see if they're ghouls or not. Uh, it's really, really fun, really worth your time. Um, I love starting every summer with it. I used to watch it with my dad all the time. Um, so it's like the perfect summer movie to kick things off, I think. It sounds like the perfect like, summer horror movie as well. I don't know. There's not like a lot of movies that I consider to be summer horror movies. So mm-hmm. whenever I find yeah. stuff that I can add to that list, it makes me really happy because obviously I like to live my horror life year round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's like, it's fun horror. It, it's You're never going to have a moment where you're genuinely scared. Um, it really does that horror comedy line really, really nice. Awesome. Check that out. <laughs> I always do love a good horror comedy because it's harder to pull off than I than I think most of us realize. <laughs> I also feel like having not I haven't seen it obviously, but I feel like Tom Hanks has the perfect manic energy for that kind of a role. Oh yeah. Tom Hanks Tom Hanks is mm-hmm. good. Yes. It's he like is. he's one of those actors that it's almost annoying for me to admit how good he is, but he <laughs> is. Totally. And it's Oh, I was going to say, well, it's it's 80s Tom Hanks, too. So there's none of that prestige to him. So it's back when he was a little sillier. And, of course, he he still can do silly so well. Um, 
but there's none of that self-seriousness in the role at all. He just gets to totally let loose. I wish he went back to doing silly stuff because that's like what yeah. I was going to say. Like, because now it's all Sully and uh, saving Mr. Banks and sometimes lighter, but always kind of Oscar-ish roles. And I just wish he'd have some fun sometimes. Listen, he's in it to win it now. Oh, this but is he's the already one with Corey Feldman. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you see uh, Tom Hanks is playing Falstaff and Henry Four out in Los Angeles right oh now? And he looks r- real silly. And that's like, the great comic role of all time in Shakespeare, at least. And uh, there was a video going around of, I guess there was a medical emergency the other night during a show. And Tom Hanks just started improvising Shakespeare while the medical emergency was being taken care of. If you can find that video, oh my it's God. really fascinating. Wow. That's like the most on brand for Tom Hanks. <laughs> I feel like that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Hanks, the perpetual America's dad. We're all like, he's, He's one of the good ones, right? Yes. Yeah, no, he's yes. got to be. I give up all hope if he's not. I will also give up all hope. Oh, excellent. Well, I will probably be fixing that because summer horror is like, like Kayla said, always like, want more of those. I'm I can only watch it, it follow so many times. Exactly. You know? <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what I was gonna say. We are disgustingly on brand. Lauren, <laughs> what is your recently watched? Uh, so the movie that I start each summer with is uh, the Burning. Uh, from 1981 it, it is a really ridiculous slasher film it's actually jason alexander's like first like feature film debut have any of you guys seen the burning no mm-hmm. you've okay tyler Graham's of, course. Burning. of course it has. <laughs> um i don't know how to explain it other than that it's it's like almost like a dumber friday the 13th well and then tom, tom savini left friday the 13th to do the burning uh-huh. right yes he did yeah, it's it's just it's like I don't want to give away like the whole plot because it's like your basic summer camp like slasher, but it just has I don't this it's just it's so campy and beautiful and for some and I consider it like a feel good slasher film, um <laughs> and it's based on the Cropsey myth. Have you guys seen the you guys have have you guys heard of the Cropsey documentary? It's on Netflix. Heard of, yes. Okay, so Cropsey was, like, a myth, like, this guy who was, like, who escaped from a hospital and, like, slept on the grounds, like, near, like, some, like, abandoned mental hospital. And it turned out in real life he, it, there was an actual, like, serial killer who was sleeping on the grounds near this hospital in Staten Island and, like, killing kids. Um, so The Burning is, like, a slasher movie, like, the fictionalization, like, of this, like, real-life gruesome story. So what I did was, like, the like it's last summer with my mom, we watched the documentary, and then we watched The Burning, and she found The Burning even more upsetting after watching the IRL <laughs> documentary. So, I recommend it. Yeah, there's some great kills in that one, too. Yeah. Just, like, really imaginative mm-hmm. stuff. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. You kind of had me at like dumber Friday the 13th because I didn't realize that was maybe even possible. <laughs> so. Kayla, there's a whole, like, I'm pretty sure there's a whole subcategory on Shudder. It's just like. Yeah, it's all the sequels to Friday <laughs> all the 13th. All the 80s slasher movies. <laughs> Excellent. I will definitely. Um, that is one of those older horror movies. I was like, oh, there'd be a fun one to watch. But there are so many. Yeah. There's only so little time. But alas. Kayla, let's move on to your recently watched. What is it? Uh, I feel super off-brand now because mine is actually not a horror movie in any way. Um, last night, I was uh, I like to re-listen to our episodes once they're published, and I have not had a chance to do that, so I was catching up on our own podcast <laughs> um, and re-listening to our uh, Jennifer's Body 
Karin Kusama whatever episode and decided to rewatch Juno because I recently found mm-hmm. a copy of it at Goodwill that was not scratched and in good condition. And after listening to a million minutes, I guess, of us talking about Diablo Cody's writing, I was interested to see if that would hold up in the way that Jennifer's body held up for me. And oh my goodness, <laughs> um, what a great movie. Just a uh-huh. true national treasure. Um, even in its cringiest, I'm trying so hard to create a cultural saying moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I mean, we, we talked about it a little bit previously, but this, it's such a genuinely funny and touching movie. And I just, I hadn't seen it since high school. And it was one of those movies that in high school I was super obsessed with. And it was one of the, like, it was as I was becoming like a film person and i remember that this is one of the first movies where i became aware of uh i guess liking a screenwriter and being excited for like their next project or whatever but yeah there are just so many things that um it's interesting to rewatch as an adult because you kind of get that perspective shift from only empathizing with juno and understanding like where she's coming from to kind of i don't know i guess i'm maybe not that old but (laughs) i felt so much more for Vanessa and her situation and her shitty husband and all of that, then I think I, like, I I felt it as a teenager, but I don't think I really understood it as well as I do now having had, like, experiences with dumb boys who don't want to grow up and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, so if you haven't rewatched it recently, I'm pleased to say that I think it definitely holds up and that you will maybe find something new. An interesting tie-in, though, I that a reference that I did not understand as a teenager that I understand now is when uh, they're talking about, like, the master of horror or whatever, and Juno throws out, uh, Dario Argento is so the master of horror. And then they watch The Wizard of Gore together, and she goes, this is even better than Suspiria, which at the time I was like, yeah, sure. And now I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I love those. I know that. <laughs> you actually get the reference now. It can feel smart instead of like pretending to be smart like i should should i know what that is i cannot explain to you how much of my dumb like writing and vernacular and stuff i've tried to base off of juno after watching it a hundred oh my god i had a hamburger phone for a while of course you did (laughs) that's when you know you you found something that's awesome is when you want to emulate it in your own writing and like diablo cody's kind of like the only other person besides shane black who we're going to talk about in a little bit who in their screenplays, you you can get away with, or they can get away with the fact that it's so obvious someone's writing this line. It's not natural at all, but it still works. I don't know any other two people that can get away with that, you know? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that because <laughs> there are so many silly, silly lines, but there are also so many that are so good. Like when, when she's going into the abortion clinic and she just turns around and goes, fingernails. <laughs> Like that, and then that, like how that just keeps getting brought up. And then my other favorite one was, yeah, I think I'm going to go to women now just because like they help women now. <laughs> just little stuff like that. <laughs> um, where it is so like how teenagers talk that it kind of, I don't know, it you can forgive all of the rest of it. But yeah, so highly recommend a, a rewatch of that if you're looking for some laughs and maybe a little feel good crying at the end as Mm -hmm. I do, as I cry at all movies and commercials and everything. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Tyler Hannon, what have you watched recently? Well, unfortunately there is a hundred percent less Bill Hader in what I watched, which (laughs) I mean, everything is better with Bill Hader. I just remember 
Hot Rod and Juno, seeing those close together, I'm like, that guy? Mm. I love that guy. He's my favorite. (laughs) And he's still my favorite to this day, unlike, you know, most other things I liked at that period in life. My movie is one I watched in full for the first time, which is kind of a shame because it's from, you know, the two most commonly known masters of horror. Uh, It's Christine from John Carpenter and Stephen King. Yes. Wait, didn't we watch that together last summer? I fell asleep. Right. And I discovered very early on. Oh my god, you fell asleep? You know, I... Ugh. To be fair, I think that night we watched like six bad Stephen King. Like we watched Children of the Corn, the first half of Langoliers. Uh, and so we watched a bunch of shit that day. And I have like reverse insomnia where it's not narcolepsy, but it's like when my body says it's time to go to sleep, it's time to go to sleep. And it just <laughs> conks out. <laughs> Ugh, which, you know, is not the worst thing in the world because I usually get enough sleep. But on the other hand, it kind of is a bummer when I'm trying to watch a movie. But clearly I was not appreciating it enough. Uh, so, I mean, Christine is just. It's just a really fun movie. Uh, yeah. It's uh, Stephen King can. I'm going to make a reference to a show that, it, speaking of things I don't really like anymore, I remember this Family Guy bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the family, it's like a Family Guy bit where like Stephen King is like throwing a lamp or whatever at a producer. And it's like, oh, it's a story about a scary lamp. But yep. you know what? That's actually pretty true. Stephen King like has so many weird stories like. Uh, one like one I really enjoyed is the Buick Eight one, where there's just another world mm-hmm. in the trunk of a Buick Eight, and like in this one, it's a haunted car, and it just seems so silly. We see a, the car uh, in one scene of Christine like wedges itself into an alley to crush someone, and it just should be so silly, but it's somehow still effective. And I think that is um, Stephen King himself is able to do a lot like that a lot with his stories. He has some truly ridiculous things in many of his stories. And he just has, you know, Stephen King, pretty good writer. He's this strong grasp on storytelling, and he could just sell basically anything. And uh, John Carpenter himself has done some mm-hmm. pretty wild and silly movies. And I think it's a great fusion between the two. And it's a bummer, I think, that there was they didn't work together more. Because I think besides just being, you know, the go-to master of horror reference, uh, I think they both have, at least not... Or they, they they can both be on like the same wavelength and mesh together pretty well. And I think that's the case here. It's not my favorite movie uh, based on a Stephen King story or directed by John Carpenter. But it's a really fun 80s horror movie that's a little bit silly, but has some really good uh, genre elements. Some, like, I don't even know how they did some of the car stuff besides maybe filming a lot of things in reverse. I'm curious how many cars they went through. You know, the characters don't really mean much. Uh, our hero, quote unquote, like is just out of commission in the hospital for forty-five minutes or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a it, it is a good time. There's really no reason it took me this long to actually watch it in full, and you know it's a, it's a good sit. I I once won a hundred dollars in bar trivia for and the the winning question like the like the, whatever the bonus round question was uh, what kind of car is Christine. <laughs> And no one else knew except for me. It was great. That's awesome. I have a fun... Yeah, 19- oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it's 1958 Plymouth Fury. You're welcome. 
Um, I just wanted to say I have a great Christine anecdote and that my middle name is Christine after my aunt Christine. And that was the thing that she got made fun of the most for in high school. They would like, they oh would God. make fun of her because she had the same name as a haunted car. <laughs> yeah, so that's my, that's my fun <laughs> little story. See, I'd just Could- embrace that and take it out as power. Like, yeah, I'll. I'll kill you. Yeah, this is my dog, Cujo. I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> Continue, please. Well, I was just, what's so great about Christine is, yeah, like on the surface, it's about a haunted car. But uh-huh. what Stephen King does so well is he connects these ludicrous ideas to such great themes. And like we can all connect to just being obsessed over something, dangerously obsessed over something like the main character and Christine is over their car. And when what happens when those obsessions go unchecked, um, it's, it still works, even even though, like you said, Tyler, it's just a silly movie about a, a haunted car. Um, it's also a good read if you guys haven't read it. Um, it's a really fun read. And the, all the music references, he goes really wild with all the music. And um, one of my personal favorite moments in any Stephen King book is in It when Christine makes a cameo appearance also. <laughs> That's a pretty yes. awesome, awesome wait, moment. Wait, wait, where is yes, that yes, in the yes. book? <laughs> so closer to the end, this isn't spoiling anything, I don't think. Um, no, I've, I, I just when, finished reading it and I don't remember that, so I feel like oh, I missed something. <laughs> so when when Henry Bowers needs a lift back to Derry, uh, Christine is the car that picks him up and um, oh, what's the kid who's driving it? One of his childhood friends, I forget which one, is driving it. That uh, that died back in in the fifties. Yeah, it was pro- it was probably Belch, and so he's driving Christine uh, to pick up uh, Henry Bowers, which is pretty cool. Oh I don't know how I missed that. <laughs> Steven is connected universe, you know. I know. That is, I'm glad you brought that up, though, because that is an important point that I should have included in what I was saying about how Stephen King can make these like ostensibly silly stories work because he like not just because he's a good writer but also there are almost always like really strong character like characters and themes uh yep this one maybe not so much the characters but the theme really works uh how yeah yeah. definitely stephen king just truly knows the human condition i don't know that's like his strongest point as a writer Plus, you know, it's always nice to see something all the way back in the 80s that subverts the trope that, like, you know, the nerd boy who just needs to find a thing is actually the good guy. <laughs> the guy is seriously, like, the insult yeah. prototype, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kenny, that's, that's yeah. Steve. So on that note of, uh, I think we would all agree that Stephen King rules. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it happening. I wanted to stop it. Uh, the movie that we are discussing this week in full is... The Monster Squad. You know who to call when you have ghosts. But who do you call when you have monsters? We're the Monster Squad. What's a squad? It's like Miami Vice, I think. They're young and inexperienced. Naughty virgin! They're a bit disorganized. Monsters are not real. We don't know that, sir. 2,000-year-old dead guys do not get up and walk away by themselves. But when strange things start happening in town... There's a monster in my closet. Ooh! Look at that big, scary monster! What's happening? Do I see a werewolf? Silver bullet? They're the only ones ready to do battle. Cookie's out there to killing people. And if it's monsters, nobody's gonna do a thing about it but us. Soon the creatures of the night show will move around. Real monsters? Us? 
night in the world, remember? Lauren, as you have mentioned several times, this is one of your favorite movies, and I believe it's also one of mm-hmm. Tyler Grimes' favorite movies. So um, if yes. you guys wanted to maybe take turns telling us about at why this is one of your favorite movies, maybe like what drew you to it, what your first experience with it was, that kind of thing. Yeah, you're the only ones who are going to talk the rest of the episode. We're going to kind of just leave <laughs> and expect you to carry it. So Okay. I actually think we could. Okay, I'll go first. I guess my I first watched Monster Sky when I was thirteen, and I was dating like this like older boy who was like really into horror comedy, and he made me watch Army of Darkness, and I will forever hate Army of Darkness because of his obsession with it. I'm sorry, um, but uh, he had me watch the Monster Squad, and I remember like being a thirteen year old who was getting bullied a lot, seeing the cool kid Rudy like stand up. Um, for for Horace getting picked on the way he was and like joining like their club was like really empowering for me. Um, it meant a lot to me and I always carried that with me. And then as I got older, I revisit. I forgot about it for a while, revisited it. Um, cause for right now it's, it's like, a, I mean, it's a big cult classic, but right now they're making a documentary. There's a, they have a podcast called the squad cast. Like a lot of people are talking about it right now. And so I revisited it and I forgot like how much, like I loved it. Like it just makes me feel good. And it, it's one of, it's just, it makes me like, remember like why I love horror so much. Like a tar doesn't have to be like, like, all about jump scares and like like terrifying an audience like it can also be really really fun and like just like make you laugh and also i cry at the end every single time and tyler why don't you tell us about how you came to the movie yeah so while i love horror now um when i was really young uh, i loved the idea of a horror movie but i hated the concept of actually watching one um I loved the idea of of monsters and I loved any sort of cartoon monster, but the thought of like sitting down for a genuinely scary movie when I was very young um, was not something I was interested in. So I used to talk a big game, but not necessarily back it up. And I remember we had um, my cousin had a VHS copy and he had come to visit us. This is still when I was living in New York when I was very young. So I was probably, I was probably in fifth grade uh, when we watched it the first time. And it just totally clicked for me. Um, I think that I don't think it's a phenomenal movie, but I certainly think it's one that appeals to all the things that I love uh, in a movie. And um, I saw it before The Goonies. So uh, The Goonies has always taken a a big hit um, in my heart because it's just Monster Squad has that that place. Um, So even though maybe it's trying trying to crib on the Goonies for me, it kind of stands on its own and it is the first one. Um, but the, the thought of like taking all these classic monsters into a new monster rally movie where, um, because, you know, Fred Decker's maybe not the most elite director of all time and the kids aren't necessarily the best actors of all time. It feels somehow more authentic to what I imagine a kid might do in those situations. And I'm a total sucker for like, um, adults being unable to do what kids can do. And I love that, like the imagination and the magic of being a young person is something that these gruesome monsters that we all know throughout history can't defeat. And it starts out so smart with the adults losing, you know? Um, so it's a t- total buy-in. It's easy to buy in, I think as a kid. And again, you, you have all these different 
you see all your friends in the movie when you're, when you're that age watching it. Um, and I think now you go back and maybe you see a lot of your friends uh, that you remember growing up with. And so it just always hit a big sweet spot for me. And it does have a lot of heart uh, and it does, I think, try to humanize a lot of the monsters. So yeah, it's, it's always something that I really, I thought about a lot, but you know, that wasn't my VHS copy. So I didn't really own the movie until college. I think 2008, my freshman year, uh, I found it, uh, that might've been when it just came on DVD for the first time and got into it. And I used to have every, everybody over in my apartment or my dorm room to watch movies every week. And that was one of the first ones we watched and everybody, everybody loved it. It's a, it still plays pretty well for a, for a crowd of drunken college students. That was beautiful. I'm very bummed now that I never saw this as a kid. I feel like it would have been pretty formative for me. <laughs> so, like, it, it seems like it ages pretty well, except, you know, a few comments uh, about, yeah. about gay people that don't age super well. But <laughs> yeah. after That's just Shane crazy, Black right there, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I forgot that Shane Black like co-wrote this until I yeah. don't know, 30 seconds into the movie. Um, <laughs> but after talking about how, one of the things I like about Christine is that it kind of subverts that idea that, or like at least go, maybe not actively subverts, but uh, is an example going against that idea that like, you know, the put down nerd guy is actually the best if he just gets a chance or whatever. This is like fantasy, like a, like fantasy fulfillment for young boys or like it, it does, I guess it's not even restricted to young boys. Like it's fantasy fulfillment for kids in a way that mm-hmm. is actually kind of timeless, which is probably part of why it has gained this uh, cult following and is, if anything, is more popular today than it ever has been. Definitely. Because, I, I don't know, there's just something about it that is so fulfilling and empowering to kids, but in a way that even as adults you can relate to. And I might not be able to attach to it now the way that, uh, you know, anyone younger than my many years can. And it's... I don't know. It's just, it's just fun. You guys, it's just a fun movie. (laughs) I definitely uh, relate to what you said, Tyler Grimes about uh, being a kid and want like loving the concept of scary movies, but not wanting to actually watch them. Cause I feel like I had that feeling until my late teens and early twenties when I decided that I did actually like horror movies. And um, I don't know. I've, I think that it's so interesting how fascinated kids are with Mm -hmm. stuff that is scary and i think that this is a really fun movie that kind of explores that in a way that i don't know it reminded me a lot of stephen king's it in that it's like this group of ragtag friends who are trying to freak each other out all the time but at the same time like i don't know it, it felt like just a little bit more real because i guess the evil wasn't so like it was there but it it felt slightly lower stakes like in a way like not not like we are literally all going to be torn to shreds by like a monster spider (laughs) more just like we can now use all of our comic book knowledge to defeat this thing and we know that we can do it and we have like the right to do it Uh i just really i i really liked that aspect of it where it was like you know they're gonna win but it also feels like the entire time that they deserve the win yeah they're prepared. They put in the work. They have the materials. I mean, yeah, <laughs> they did the research. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of the of Sean's parents' relationship. Sean and Phoebe's parents' relationship. Mm-hmm. I think in the '80s we saw a lot of divorced parents in movies for the first time, but not necessarily mm-hmm. parents that were like about to go through it. And so to see this really 
real, if not a little over dramatic, maybe a little melodramatic in that there's not a ton of time to dedicate to that relationship. Uh, seeing it sort of fall apart is really nice. And of course, uh, that mom who's, you know, she, no one got tortured more in 80s movies than that actress whose name I cannot remember right now. Um, but I love their relationship. I love that she, you know, packs her bags and is about to leave at the end of the movie. Um, it felt really real and authentic to me. And I was, it was, I was always grateful to sort of see a relation, a parental relationship that was maybe a little closer to what I was growing up with also. Yeah, I think the parents are actually a really interesting part of this movie because I feel like in so many 80s movies, the parents are kind of just this non-entity where they just kind of, for lack of, they abandon their children to the circumstances. And that was something that I noticed right off the bat was that the mom takes an active interest in, you know, her her children's interest in these horror movies. Like, I feel like there are so many... There's so many 80s parents in particular in movies and books and stuff where they're just like, ah, that's just my freako kid. He's going to go run around with his friends and I'm going to be mad about him reading these comics or whatever. But like, no, she buys him the book from the garage sale and asks him for help. You know, like she wants to get her trivia right when she's talking to him. And I think that's so nice to see, especially like when you compare it to something like The Goonies, which I'm it always is compared to, I'm sure, where they're kind of just like, I don't know, just go do your thing. You've been gone yeah. for four days and we didn't notice. They're, like, they're <laughs> usually either the worst parents or like the selectively perfect parents in like the, and they're just well, is, here. They're, they're imperfect, but in both the good and bad way. Yeah. And isn't she the mom in the Goonies too? She, yeah, she is. is. Mom. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing what a good Another... writer can do. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm the only person alive that doesn't like the Goonies. I mean, I don't love it, and it's mostly because of Monster Squad, I think. I really do think... It, it ruined the Goonies I really you. think that if you compare <laughs> yeah. the two, and you're trying to pick, like, which 80s kids... Like, I don't know. I feel like the payoff is better, and that the characters are more likable. <laughs> and yeah. What, yeah. What, I don't know. I think it's just... I, I enjoyed it a lot, and the, when my boyfriend made me watch the Goonies last summer, I absolutely hated it, so... <laughs> Now, Kayla, I was going to ask if it hurt the movie for you at all to know that Tom Noonan, who plays Frankenstein's monster, the, you know, the, uh, what's the, the one, the monster that you like, uh, as a, as a watcher, if it bo- affects it at all to know that he's also the evil guy with the house and house of the devil. Huh. Oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> um, Tom Noonan. I don't know if it affects my viewing of it, but that's a really fun, like, classic horror tie-in. But I pulled up Tom Noonan's IMDb, and there's a certain movie that he was in uh, that I've never seen, but you have spoken uh, about in a positive but very traumatized way. He's Sammy Barnathan in Synecdoche, New York. Oh, God. Oh. I don't know if that means something, but I imagine that means something to you. It does. <laughs> that's the most depressing movie that has ever been made. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But also Tom Noonan's great. That seems like his thing is to be like the lovable but depressing in the end character, I guess. Yeah, how's the devil, you know? <laughs> and he's he's kind of like that. In re- he's like that in real life, too. Uh, I used to do some shows at a theater that he runs in New York City. And he would just come see shows all the time. And like he seems like that deeply kind of human, warm, but sad person <laughs> that he Aww. is in all of his movies, too. But he's he's awesome. He's great in Last Action Hero, too. I like him in that movie a lot. He just seems like such a lovely and such a tall man. So very tall. That was the, <laughs> That's like legit the cutest part of the movie is when Phoebe takes 
his his finger in her tiny little hand. <laughs> Come on, guys, don't this be feels like such emotional it. manipulation, but it works. There was actually so much of this movie. I wasn't really sure what to expect, but it has so much heart. And I like I obviously I take Lauren's recommendations very seriously, so I knew that I was pr- I was going to like it most likely. But like I was surprised at just how much like because it's it's such a short movie. It goes by mm-hmm. really fast. I actually I almost rewatched it this morning because I was like I, I don't know there has to have been something that I missed when I watched it yesterday. But I don't I I didn't end up having time. But um it just it goes by so fast that I was pretty shocked at the end at how much I felt for these kids and mm-hmm. for Frankenstein and just for this plight that they've been through. <laughs> oh, it's at the end. When she throws the puppy. <laughs> oh, she, she gave him scraps. Like, that kills me every time. I just, like, oh. that's, like, my one bone to pick. I'm like, he wasn't bad. The vortex was only supposed to take the forces of evil, and he was not a force of evil. It's very rude. <laughs> I, I do enjoy, though I'm not, like, incredibly well-versed in the universal monsters that Frankenstein is the one who is sympathetic. What makes the most sense. But this time when he, like, because it's kids that find him first, you know, they actually recognize that he's decent right away. And it's like, oh, look what can happen if you don't immediately, like, you know, chase him off and, you know, with pitchforks and torches and... Well, I feel like Frankenstein's monster has been portrayed as a sympathetic character in a lot of different, like, areas of pop culture, especially in, uh, most recently, oh my god, what's it called? Penny Dreadful? Um, he is the most depressing character in, like, the entire show, and he, like, literally, he reads poetry, like, in the last episode, in the series finale, he reads a long, long classic poem, because he's so deep and sad, um... So I would like to see more of that, more of like Frankenstein is like, like I want to see more Frankenstein holding hands with little girls, as weird as that sounds. He's definitely the Eeyore of the Universal Monsters. Yes, he is. Yes. (laughs) That's such a good way to describe it. Now, I have to ask, have you seen the Victor Frankenstein starring... Daniel Radcliffe oh and <laughs> James McAvoy, Don't. or or I have Frankenstein starring uh, Aaron Eckhart. Huh? I Frankenstein is a terrible movie. <laughs> Those they're both terrible movies. <laughs> there, there's no hand holding, adorable, loving monster in oh those. Oh my god! Or <laughs> to be like the ultimate like film hipster, just be like you know the 1930s versions of Boris Karloff are actually very good. <laughs> um, <laughs> is that even hipster at this point? I feel like that's commonly I guess, I guess probably not. Like, just... Don't get me wrong. I'm super excited for the dark universe, but... Oh, my God. Those are still my favorite entries <laughs> in that universe. We are not talking about that. <laughs> um, you know, they tried to make a Monster Squad remake. Maybe the dark universe is what they did. It, it's like, well, if we can't remake Monster Squad, we'll just make our own Monster Squad. Be really monsters, bad at it. The Monster Squad's not the monsters, though. True. The Duffer brothers have like have mentioned wanting to like reboot like Monster Squad and either as a film or as a series, and I feel like if anyone can do it like correctly, it'd be them. So I agree with that, but I also feel like Why should they get to make all I'm just like my dudes. Could you do one thing that isn't just your entire childhood nostalgia? (laughs) Show me what you're worth as an artist. Kayla, it is it is 2018. That is all there is. Peak 80s, 90s nostalgia, yeah. Yes. Um, another thing that I really liked about this movie is how genuine the kids' friendship feels with each yeah. other. And I also like that, like, 
I enjoy their relationship with Phoebe because <laughs> even as they're trying to keep her out, I feel like they all kind of just like acknowledge that she is part of the, the squad. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just I really like the way that all of them interact with each other and how they talk to each other and s- stick up for each other. And I don't know. I just feel like it's nice to see a group of boys portrayed that way in film as opposed to, I don't know, like, we don't have feelings and we're going to punch each other a lot <laughs> kind of <laughs> friendships. It doesn't all have to be toxic masculinity. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they all have something to do in the in the story, too. It's not like there's no characters that are just kind of along for the ride. Um, the only one who the one who has maybe the, the least to do is, is, I think it's Patrick, who's the the cool friend of Sean who has like the, the glasses whose sister gets involved later, but everyone else actually does something, especially during that, the last act um, defeating the monsters, even mm-hmm. the dog helps defeat the mummy at the end. Like they're all yeah. there for a purpose and they mm-hmm. all help the story, which I think is, is tough in these kind of, you know, more when the movie becomes more of an action set piece at the end, something that the Goonies certainly didn't do of like making sure everyone's there for a reason, not just to have extra bodies around, you know? That reminds me. I also love uh, just offhand when he's like, how does the dog even get up oh, Yeah, here? how does the dog <laughs> yeah. even get up <laughs> <laughs> He's part of the team. It's just a surprisingly tight movie. Like, and mm-hmm. Even though it's, you know, obviously short and fun. I don't, it's just also, it's very, besides just being a fun movie, like I, only half jokingly said earlier it's also just surprisingly satisfying mm-hmm. and just tight in the way it's constructed it's not like clockwork obviously but you know, everything has its purpose and it fits nicely together in a way that doesn't feel like too um overly constructed or anything it's it's nice it's definitely a movie that i wish was longer which yeah. is very rare <laughs> yeah because it's only what like a hundred it's it's an hour and 20 right yeah barely i think it's like an hour 15 and then credits yeah Yeah. (laughs) so it's just it's one of those things where i I think when a movie does a really good job of creating a world and characters that you want to spend more time with that's a like a a great hallmark of good writing and good direction and i yeah i definitely would love to have spent more time with them maybe develop out those friendships and you know the even like with their parents and all of that stuff I think Decker and Black, especially Decker, have said they've considered doing a follow up, but like they haven't just given given it away to other people to do. They don't want to like they they aren't just going to do a cash grab thing. It seems like they want maybe want to do more, but are actually going to do it in a considered way because they don't necessarily need to. Yeah, I guess as like OG fans, how do you guys feel about a remake or a reboot or even like a direct sequel? Well, I well, I want to know. So it yeah. Well, so the first thing that comes to mind comes to mind with that is like, what what would what would they do with scary German guy? How would like them like kind of like putting in that he's like just dropping in in like a half second scene that he's a Holocaust survivor? Like, would they include that in in if they were going to do a present day remake? If they remade it, they'd probably set it in the eighties. <laughs> I that's I, yeah. I would not be. I don't know if I would be on board with a present. Okay, because that's what I've heard is a pre- that's a what I've heard is present day, which I would hate. Yeah, as well. I mean, I don't know what a remake would do, mm-hmm. um, particularly one that would take place in the eighties. But I mean, I'm I'm totally fine with it just existing as it is with mm-hmm. no other meddling. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
if we're pitching terrible ideas for a sequel that I wouldn't mind seeing, it would be Dracula coming back with all of them as adults now. A little chapter two of it, I guess. And I want to <laughs> see it part two. I want to yep, see <laughs> I want to see the band get back together. And I want to see that guy who plays Dracula, whose last name I can't pronounce, <laughs> as Dracula again. I could watch him as Dracula forever. His Dracula is so good that I wouldn't mind him coming back and getting back at the the squad now that they're older and maybe getting their kids involved. I, I would be, I'd be about that. And the funny thing about oh, that, that would be so fun. they would, the, so uh, Andre, Andre Gower, who played Sean and Ryan Lambert, who played Rudy are best friends. Actually the whole cast are all still friends, but they've been making the rounds at like all these like, like, like horror cons and have the SWAT, the Squadcast podcast, and then they had then they're behind the Squad doc, like that that's coming out soon. It's being filmed currently, or maybe it's being brought. I don't know, but it's yeah. They would love to do a sequel where they're adults and like the band gets back together. Like sure. they 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 mention that, and at least at once in every interview they give now. I would I would also like to see that. It's always nice when people who were in movies as kids grow up to still like the movies that they were in as kids Mm -hmm. instead of kind of disavowing or actively hating that experience. I'm glad that it was so positive for them. Yeah. And I would be the most okay with just getting a best worst movie esque documentary. That's like full of heart made by the original people, like the one that they're making right now. I'd be so fine with just that. You know, I don't think I would need much else other than this documentary that's coming out. Uh, if it's well done, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think that that's a problem that we kind of have right now as a culture is just letting things be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you can just have one version of something and it's probably okay. I don't understand. Not that there aren't, like, I mean, not that there aren't <laughs> remakes and stuff that I don't like, but at a certain point, it's a little bit like, we already have the thing, it exists, and it is pretty good. I don't see any reason to just kind of rehash it forever and for all time. Mm-hmm. But there can always be a new girl with a dragon tattoo, maybe. Oh, just listen, a, no. you know, it's just a, a random example. Don't trailer looks <laughs> awful. Don't do this to me. <laughs> you know for, how I feel about that. For reference, Tyler Grimes, that is maybe like a the way I I used to rant about Jurassic World quite a bit. Kayla, mm. for Kayla, uh, anything new, anything that isn't girl with a dragon tattoo starring Rooney Mara is her personal Jurassic World. Was that where in, just like why? Why must this happen? Was that in why my you, uh, year preview? What the fuck is happening with these movies section? Or no, that was Battle Angel Alita that I went on the most. <laughs> <my> <laughs> we. We each have our own personal pinatas uh, that we return to again and again. Mine and is that Fede Alvarez should just pack up and go home and leave it alone. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> don't make, don't breathe too, my guy. It's fine. But yeah, Kayla, I think that's ridiculous. We should remake everything. You know, <laughs> Why not? Every, everything old will be new again. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, I guess, again, it's it's a pretty short movie. It's a pretty yeah. tight little thing i don't i don't want to beat it into the ground <laughs> uh, we still have to go like twice the amount of time we've already recorded to match the runtime so the run. we gotta find uh, some more stuff to stretch out can we do favorite quotes please yeah, yeah. please lord uh, what, what's your favorite quote i okay so i guess like it's like a tie between i'm in the goddamn club r and i and um and like and, th- <laughs> and this babe is major <laughs> yeah yeah it's definitely a tie between those two i love rudy he has the best lines sorry i was just saying rudy also has 
that awesome moment. One of my favorite shots of the whole movie is after he's gotten uh, Dracula's mistresses and he's killed them. Just like that mm-hmm. look of horror on his face when he realizes like the blood on his hands. And yeah, it's like he he really goes through it. And, and there's something that, you know, maybe if the movie was longer, they could have leaned into it a little more. Um, but he he does some horrific things to save everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So he, it, so he gets the cool lines. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is a very kind of surprising moment of actually dealing with the trauma of yeah. what they're doing. But yeah. then um, I can't remember his name. So when Fat Kid kills the Gill Man, uh, then they they then they give themselves their cake and have the uh, cock the shotgun. My name is Horace. My name <laughs> is Horace. As well, Shane oh, Black can't resist it. Anytime a, a gun's about to go off or an explosion's <laughs> about to happen, he's got to get one more line in. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say that was one of my favorites. Me. Was he throws in the dynamite and he goes meeting a jerk? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the one, another, one of my other favorite scenes is um, when uh, was same when Patrick's having that where it's like like the sister um, is you know she's she's trying to like read everything in German and it turns out she's not actually a virgin. He's just like you're you're not you're not a virgin, are you? No, no. What do you mean? No. Well, Steve. But he doesn't count. Like that's what I just I said would be so problematic, I feel like nowadays in the movie, but I fucking love that scene so much. So much. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> she I, I feel like that's a very relatable teenage girl moment. Of course you don't want to admit yeah. to not being a virgin when yeah. you're a teenage girl. <laughs> I think it's also very count. telling. That when they finally succeed at getting someone to read it, it's when they don't have several dudes just gathered around the virgin screaming, read it! Why aren't you reading it? Read better! You know, you maybe, this nice maybe German she was guy who's like, he just reads it out. Die Strasse est. Die Strasse est. Good, good. <laughs> um, let's see. The other quote that I really enjoyed was Horace and Sean. He's like, scary house, real monsters, us, 12 years old, remember? And he goes, midnight, end of the world, remember? <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy like the small bits of banter that Shane Black sprinkles throughout his movies. Like you have the really big lines that are fun, but I like the small stuff that catches you by surprise. Just when the cops are talking and uh the dad tells uh his partner who is <laughs> very uh unceremoniously blown up later uh to put on APB he's like I already done that. I'm a very good policeman, you know. <laughs> I really like that guy and I get so bubbed out that he's just like Blown He's like, up I forgot later. that he was oh, blown yeah. up. Yeah, he uh, he, Come on. he gets to he gets to smart talk, but then he gets blown up. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what he gets for laughing. Um, I, I love. He just has love, a sense of humor about himself. He does. He he. You know, there's mummies going missing, and he 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 doesn't take himself too seriously. And he's a very good policeman, you know. <laughs> <laughs> also, monsters hate religious stuff. Monster, yeah, they hate religious religious stuff. Uh, I love Wolfman's Got Nards. Um, of course, any, just the, the the general focus on on monster anatomy in in this Wolf whole dork. thing. Wolf Dork. I mean, all of it mm-hmm. is that's super like what I had questions about when I was in elementary school as well with these monsters and with cartoons in general. So I appreciate them leaning into that. Um, and then I love the exchange when Phoebe's trying to get into the ha- uh, the clubhouse earlier on, and she says that's prescription. And 
her brother corrects her and says it's discrimination. Um, something like prescription is drugs, which you're on if you're thinking you're getting in here. Which is so Shane Black. Like that could have been in Predator, you know. Um, I love that that line. Or like when he tells her to handle life. Yeah. <laughs> That part reminded me a lot of, these are just gazebos. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <and> the <it. laughs> I would say the only line in the whole movie that really fell flat for me was when Dracula is lifting her up to get the amulet. And he's like, give me the Give me the amulet, amulet you bitch. bitch. I love that. I'm like, she's I five. Love that line. But that's what's great because <laughs> you wouldn't expect him to say it to a five-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so mean. It just like, so mean. shocked me. Well, I... I mean, you got to understand, Aliens was the only in-flight movie on the way over. (laughs) (laughs) When they're trying to decide whether they want Rudy in the club and Phoebe goes, I heard he killed his dad. Yeah. (laughs) I love Rudy. I don't know. If I was like, if I was like a teenage girl, I would have been super obsessed with him. I have a little like zine called I Heart Rudy. Um, I think there's two editions of the zine, two issues of the zine, uh, it's like uh, they're on Instagram is at our I heart Rudy. And the whole thing is just girls writing essays about how much they <laughs> loved him um, when they first watched the movie. And then there's like a really cool interview with him. Um, but he loves it. He puts on the shades for like photo ops and stuff. Ryan Lambert. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a really cool character. It yeah, really is. Yeah. Well, that's what I like is that it's, it's again, like a clever subversion of like the cool guy trope. Mm-hmm. He's the cool guy, but he's using his cool guy powers for good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he also actually I lied he has the best line when he goes where am I supposed to get silver bullets Kmart yeah. <laughs> I also enjoy how industrious he is like he amasses the whole arsenal like in yeah. shot glass like, oh yeah this guy is like he's he's just very on the ball I well and that's something that, this kid. and that's what we talked about a little bit with it where that's something that can only happen in movies where kids are the main characters is that inherent trust and belief in each other that what's going on is real like we don't have to waste half the movie on them trying to convince each other that it's actually happening it's just this is what's going on we have till tomorrow we're gonna make these bullets and we're gonna open a vortex to limbo it helps when Frankenstein just shows up. And well, yeah, but they, but they believed them. It was yeah. before that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Monster Squad, great film. It's a good movie. I, I feel like we, we have to talk about the Dracula performance. Yes, I, I was actually just uh, about to say, yes, we do. Just, <laughs> I was gonna, it's oh, awesome. It is awesome. You know? Iconic. He's one of my favorite Draculas, I think, out of any movie I've ever, like any movie I've seen. I, I read in the IMDb trivia that he is actually across film considered one of the most accurate and good portrayals of Dracula, well, which it, I agree with wholeheartedly. His, <laughs> his objective is so clear and the stakes are so high for him. It's not like, I want to suck your blood. It's not. He's not trying to find a, a date. He's not trying to eat. He's trying to take over the world. Mm-hmm. And because the stakes are so high for him, I feel like it gives... Um, is his last name Red Regger? Regger? Does anyone? I don't know. I don't think. Yeah, I don't know I how to pronounce know. it either. We'll call. <laughs> we'll call him Duncan. We'll call him Dunks. Um, <laughs> Dunks. <laughs> he, he 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 gets to be so focused. I feel like it gives him so much to play with as an actor mm-hmm. because it's not. He's not just trying to be. He's not trying to be suave or anything like that. Even though he looks like an '80s businessman, which is terrifying. Also, <laughs> he drives a curse. What the hell with yeah, the chrome it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like if a if uh fuck what's his name? Not 
Patrick Bates. I was I was mixing up Christian Gray and Patrick Bates in my oh, head. So you're oh, for Christian Bates. Christian Bates. No, like, so, no um, Christian, Christian Bates now. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh. Patrick Bates <laughs> is what he looks like if Patrick Bates was also a vampire. And I feel like there's something sillier about a vampire targeting adults. And like this movie, it makes it so much scarier that he's so violently going after the children. There's, there's definitely an an even scarier movie, I think with his performance of Dracula that could have been made. And he's just so singular in what he wants and he knows he's going to get it. He assembles a questionable team. Uh, We have to be honest there. I don't know what the mummy, what he was ever thinking the mummy was going to do to help him. Uh, And Gilman, despite looking really cool, uh, is pretty useless also, but he's, he's pretty badass. Um, And he still gives me the, the willies, especially during that um, when he, when he lifts little Phoebe up at the end there, it's, it's genuinely scary for me still today. Yeah. Another, Another thing that was surprised, he goes through those cops. Yeah. Like, I was actually, at first I was like, wait, are they actually dying? Like, it took me a minute for it to really register because it was so different than everything else that was happening in the movie up like to that point. the only people that die in the entire movie is just the entire police force. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Dracula is, also believes that all cops are bastards. <laughs> I love when the army shows up at the end. <laughs> Jean writes that, like, load of good, they did. Here's a little note. Help, army, come quick from Eugene. We'll say the Gill Man just get like it takes a shotgun blast to the chest, which don't get me wrong, is a very powerful force. But the Wolfman can regenerate. Mm-hmm. It turns out, and uh, I just the Gill Man. I just what do you listen when you're drafting a team? Sometimes you get all star players, he's and a- you just kind of end up with a couple <laughs> of duds naturally. Usually, he's also dead, like a like a, a deadly creature. Like it makes sense that the mummy's slow or Frankenstein. I get it, but why the Gill Man? He goes through water. Why, why is he so slow? I don't, I don't I don't know. The monsters in this movie look great, by the way. Oh, yeah, that was another yes, thing that I, I wanted to mention. The costume design is impeccable. Mm-hmm. The werewolf can also regenerate his clothes, but only to like a certain point. It's really <laughs> impressive. No, I was going to say, I like to think that since the actor who played Uncle Rico I was, was also say that. Wolfman, <laughs> That's what I was going to say. That like, that might have been something the real Uncle Rico did before he met up with Napoleon yes. a few years later. Yes. Um, but man... What, what what a thankless role. All he gets to do is scream and look drugged out. Uh, but and it's good old Uncle Rico for you. He was a, a wolfman <laughs> in Fright Night 2, right? Yeah. Yeah. Fright Night Part 2. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I love that that's John Grease. Like, and when, when I didn't realize that until you pointed that out to me like a while ago. And now, like, I just laugh when he's on screen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we gone through like everything on my bulleted Liz. I think, I think the only thing we missed was the clear homoerotic subtext between Dracula oh. and Frankenstein. Mm. Oh, yeah. But of course, do <laughs> you want to expand on? I mean, the, the, I mean Van Helsing's. What, how do? Why does Van Helsing know what a thumbs up is? Uh, but uh, that's that's fine. It's we, fine. We could do a dissertation about that. <laughs> Listen, many people have been to limbo throughout time. I'm assuming one of them knew what a thumbs yeah, up was. That's a good point. They could just be hanging out. We don't. We don't know. It's just limbo. It's not like it's hell. They could all just be like playing poker in a circle. The sequel is just a YouTube <laughs> miniseries about just like adventures in limbo. I think what we do in the shadows is actually limbo for vampires. <laughs> <laughs> I but, really uh, want to yeah. see that. Yeah, I, I, I'm mostly kidding. It just it stuck out to me that Dracula seemed so um, 
It's a very passionate moment. He's where, like, longing to revive his old friend. Friends. Well, I never thought about it like that. Yeah, and that's I, why it's so. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm the dirty-minded one. I'm not like I'm not I'm not even coming from it from a place of dirtiness. It just was love. I mean, love. Yeah, there's a clear. <laughs> clear master servant relationship there and <laughs> listen i support cages, like... <laughs> i support their bdsm love <laughs> <laughs> i also support frankenstein I realizing mean, that that man ain't shit and that he's not doing a good job of being mm-hmm. a boyfriend to him he can find anyone oh, yeah. who has a staff that can reanimate him you know that's pretty <laughs> there's a store for that what a silly yes. prop what a silly silly prop <laughs> It took yeah. me a minute, like until the lightning struck. I was not entirely sure what they were doing. It's a portable be lightning rod. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, great movie. Funny kids. Um, great costumes. Best Dracula, Dracula of all time. Probably, yeah. I would say it's a toss up yeah. for me between this and um, Gary Oldman in the Francis Ford Coppola <laughs> Dracula, which overall is not like a super incredible movie, but has like some bits of it that are. Despite yeah. how often you talk about it on this podcast. I, it's a, it's one, I love that movie. I've, I'm just not going to pretend that it's a good movie. <laughs> also, we should acknowledge that uh, Guillermo del Toro was clearly influenced by both the Gill Man and the uh, curiosity about monster genitalia that happened in this movie. <laughs> um, um, he likes to talk uh, about yeah. Creature from the Black Lagoon being the influence, and maybe that's one, but I think Monster Squad is definitely part of it. Gamera del Toro was the only one of us brave enough to ask what would happen if the fish man could fuck. So <laughs> I, I love that scene when she explains like how my 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 mom and my dad hasn't seen the movie, so my mom and I like do that to each other. We make the gesture like from like opposite sides of the house. My dad's like, "What are you doing?" That was when I saw it. It was after we had talked about it on the podcast and you mentioned that and that was all I could think of was just imagining you and your mom like just boop. We'll film it when I get home. <laughs> oh, man. That's a sound effect what happens. Yes, that's out. that's exactly yeah. the noise that boop. his dick makes when it comes out. <laughs> it's like a little bubble. <laughs> <laughs> and with that <laughs> I think that just about wraps up our discussion of the movie Monster Squad, not um the dick on in the shape of water. Um <laughs> But yeah, so um, some interesting trivia that I learned for this movie was that Liam Neeson auditioned for the role and did, of Dracula and did not get the role and then also was paid for a bit part that they never filmed. So I'm hmm. kind of just like, so you just paid Liam Neeson basically to be on retainer for your movie and you didn't use him? What's up with that? Like You couldn't find one thing for Liam Neeson to do? It was long before he was punching wolves, you know? True. That's that's a skill of his that they should have considered. Maybe they'll <laughs> cast him as one of the adult versions, you know, when he... No, oh, he guess he's too old. He's but... too old, and also, I just, like, Liam Neeson is another one of those actors where I, he's so serious that it's almost hard for me to take him seriously now. Mm. <laughs> All I can think of yeah. is that trailer for the yeah. Blowing Up Train movie that we had to watch a hundred times in theaters. And I know! <laughs> did that ever even come out? <laughs> I yes, it did. I literally don't even remember that being in theaters. It, it, it came out. I just, I don't know, that that's just, like, that to me is the ultimate, like, absurd destination of Liam Neeson's career, is he's supposed to be on this train for the whole movie, but the trailer also shows the train blowing up, like, four times. It's Did you forget about the confusing. movie where he punches wolves? Oh, wait, but he's, apparently he doesn't punch wolves till the very end. He so doesn't. Also, my, my main memory of that was of, of 
of Trent going to see that movie and then spending a long time trying to convince me that it was actually a very good movie. He was like, it's actually very poignant when he begins to punch the walls. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> good to know. But yeah. I said the same thing when they talked about the day. Okay, just bring it back. And I think for trivia, I think it does bear noting that um, the the actor who played Horace apparently tragically died of pneumonia in the late 90s so it makes me very sad that if they do all like i don't know i feel like that'll probably be a focus of of the documentary and stuff like that but it's kind of it's kind of a bummer that you know to me that he doesn't get to see kind of this like resurgence and cult classic and i feel like it would just be like not i feel like it has to be mentioned that (laughs) r.i.p he never got to see a gif of his young self uh pumping that shotgun i know such a bummer but yeah, sorry to kind of bring the mood down, but yeah, Kayla, way to go. <laughs> I'm sorry. I guess we can move on. We can move on to our recommendations. Uh, Tyler Grimes, if you had to choose a movie to follow up Monster Squad with, which which movie would you pick? Um, well, there's there's an obvious answer that I'll let Lauren talk <laughs> about, but uh, I have I have one that's maybe ju- even more obvious um, in retrospect. But I'm going to recommend Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. I think that's the yes. other that's the other great monster rally picture that's horror comedy that I still think is a really good time that has um Lon Chaney's still in it, uh Bella Lugosi's in it and reprising their iconic roles. Um I think the the monster's really good in it. Uh, it's it's not Karloff, but it's still a good monster and then I think Abbott and Costello are just really funny in that movie and it's it's so great um seeing them go through and meet all those characters and I'll still try. I'll watch that every, every once in a while, maybe every other year or so I'll try and watch um, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. And so if monsters teaming up is your jam and you don't want to watch the old cartoon monsters in my pocket, then I'm going to recommend Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. And Bella Lugosi is Count Dracula in it. And it is wonderful. He's the OG. Oh yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I do enjoy how you backdoored a second additional recommendation at the very end there. You're welcome. You can have many recommendations. It's fine. Lauren, what is your recommendation? Uh, so I, when I watch Monster Squad, which is maybe like once or twice a month, TVH, depending on how busy I am, I like to do a double feature, especially if I have people over. So we'll watch Monster Squad first, and then we'll do Night of the Creeps, which is also uh, written and directed by Fred Decker. And it's so good. Um, the tagline of so actually it was Tyler Grimes who got me into this movie, and we were like, what were we like at like a frozen yogurt place? And, Probably, yeah. And you were like, and you like, like you were like the tag, Lauren. The tagline of this film is, "Your the good news is your dates are here. The bad news is they're dead." And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, okay, I have to watch this. And it's really, really good. It's this weird, like, college, like. I don't know how to explain it. Like basically, like see, I, that's why I should have given this to Tyler because I know he can he can probably <laughs> describe it more like eloquently than I can because I just want to scream about it. So, Tyler, do you want to help me? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 uh your classic alien space slugs invade a college campus motion picture, and um, it has a great uh, cold open that takes place in the 1950s, and then the rest of the movie takes place on that same college campus in the 80s. And alien space slugs start taking over uh, college students on campus. And 
a, a grizzled detective played brilliantly by Tom Atkins teams up with one of the college kids uh, to help, I guess, get rid of the alien space slugs and sort of have, he has a redemption story because he was around in the 1950s when the space slugs first showed up. And it's got all the same kind of heart and humor that uh, Monster Squad has with uh, a longer run time and some much more fun, I think, effects and um, and stuff like that. So it's also a really, really great, uh, great time. And there's a, and there's like an, have you seen the alternate ending, Tyler? Um, I don't know. There, yeah. Oh, okay. So there is, I guess like when I first watched it, I watched it online and like some really weird bootleg website. And it's apparently the end, the ending I had seen first is not the actual ending of the film. So I had to watch it a billion times and actually like rent it off Amazon or whatever I did. Um, but both are like equally like not like happy sunshine endings. Um, mm-hmm. cause like what near in near the, I don't want to spoil like the whole movie, although this is spoilers, the podcast. <laughs> but, We're trying to spoil that, the recommendations. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, I just, I don't know. Usually it's like with, when there's an alternate ending, either like, like with get out, like the original ending is so bleak and sad. Um, whereas like in th- they ended up releasing it with like a happier ending, whereas like the alternate ending for Night of the Creeps is just as upsetting. Like, <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, there's another ending. Oh, good. Still upsetting. <laughs> it kind of sounds so. like adult goosebumps, not gonna lie. Yes, that's really yeah. accurate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's, that is a good summation of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Check that out. We have so many movies to add into our Halloween rotation this year. I'm so excited. Oh, Night, of the Cre- yeah. Night of the Creeps is a really fun one. Yeah. And also has like a really really good adult performance kind of anchoring it like dracula in this one and tom atkins in that one it's yeah it's he's yeah. so good he's so <laughs> good so i love him yeah see i was just gonna describe the movie as alien slugs versus frat boys and i knew tyler grimes could <laughs> eloquently but that's, explain the plot. But you said it you said it more uh, more simply uh and that, that's the true sign of wit so you're good. Okay. Thank, 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 you. thank you. <laughs> so it combines a lot of things that we've talked about that we like. Stephen King, the 80s, werewolves, Gary Busey. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> the movie uh, Silver Bullet, which is about a town terrorized by a werewolf and a young boy in a motorized wheelchair just doing his best <laughs> to take that werewolf down. It stars Corey Haim and... Gary Busey. <laughs> and it is probably one of the goofier Stephen King adaptations, but it's also a really fun movie. And it's definitely a good, I think it's a good Halloween party movie. Like if you just want to have something mm. on in the background. I think that honestly, all of the 80s Stephen King adaptations are great party movies to just have on in the background while yeah. like, drinking and eating food and stuff like that. But I, it's just, I don't know, it's a super fun movie. Gary Busey is ridiculous. And, <laughs> you know, just, you get that great, like, disabled representation <laughs> and werewolves. So, yeah, if you haven't seen it, I think it is a good kind of spiritual successor to this and that you have a kid doing his best to prevent the forces of evil from taking over his town and or the world. I met Corey Haim, like, before he died. You did. Yeah, and he was really sweet. Like, so sweet. Like, probably the nicest person. So, that was at Spooky Empire in Orlando. 
And that and I went to that specifically to meet Rochelle Davis from The Crow, like the little girl played Sarah. Um, but Corey Haim was there and he had like the longest line and it was all moms, like moms wearing Lost Boy shirts. And like he was just so nice and kept complimenting everyone. And then he died like the next year. It was really sad. Okay, sorry. Anyway. R.I.P. Glad to hear that he was very nice. <laughs> uh, Tyler Hannon, what is your recommendation? Well, uh, my recommendation, I wasn't sure what to do at first because, you know, some like the, 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 some of the obvious ones were taken. Uh, and so I was going into other movies that I discovered for the first time on Shudder. Um, I guess uh, this one I didn't, but it, it reminded me a lot of fun 80s movies I watched first through Shudder. And so I was cycling through those. What are the ones I thought of that was around the same time as Waxwork, but I don't remember enough about that one to wholeheartedly endorse it. I thought there was something problematic about it, but I can't remember. But what I'm going to do instead is one that even more people have seen before. The original Fright Night, I feel like if the Monster Squad continues through the years, this guy, like would be a good transfer student a few years later. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just one of the, you know, one of the eighties classics. It's a really good movie. Um, and of the rare remake that I actually also enjoy with RIP Anton Yelchin, because we're going to keep talking Aww. about oh, fun, fun horror movies and also tragic deaths. Oh, <laughs> um, but the duality of man, <laughs> but the original Friday night, another uh, kind of at the time, modern, uh, telling of a universal monster movie uh, in the present day, fighting them, how overcoming them, using you know, young people using the their wits and their youth to top things. I've really run out of the thread here. It's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, these are all great movies. That's another yeah. <laughs> one anchored by like a really good performance by the, what good old what's his name. The Princess Bride villain. Carrie Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. The villain of The Yule Princess Bride. Hard. But he's he's also really good in it, a very different kind of vampire. Chris Sarandon. Yeah. Chris Sarandon. Yeah. Thank you. He's so sexy. He was so sexy in the 80s. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. He's a good vampire. Yay. There are just many different ways you can he pay really the Dracula is. to Dracula type. But most of them are sexy. Yeah, I love that. The duality of vampires. <laughs> awesome well don't you have a story about fright night too oh yeah so (laughs) i when i was still living in new york um in the the previous iteration of fangoria they were doing free screenings and you could just email to go see free screenings in new york city and it was for fright night part two or fright night two and so i was like yeah I i love that it takes fright night in a hotel um I love Roddy McDowell. I'll see, you know, I'd love to see that in a theater instead of, you know, in a terrible bootleg copy that I found on the internet and took my friend to see it. And I was wearing my Fright Night t-shirt. I had watched the original Fright Night with her the night before to pump her up for it. And we get there and it was um, not Fright Night part two from the eighties. It was, um, a, it was Fright Night 2 from 2013. No. Um, <laughs> and it was like a pseudo sequel to some. I, I, I could not, I can't accurately explain what it is because um, it's not a sequel to the remake, even though. It doesn't though make sense. It is <laughs> it's kind not of what a you remake. signed up for. It's not what I signed up for. And <laughs> like, it's a lady vampire, but still named Jerry Dandridge. And Evil Ed's still in it, even though he died in the previous yeah. iteration. Like, it was a hot mess. And 
I was so embarrassed and I stayed for the whole thing. Um, That's we both still worked at family video when that came out. And I remember we just got it in the shipment box one week. And I was like, did you even know that they were making this? And it was just this whole, it, it, it just appeared one day. It's such a mystery. I'm not even sure that real people made that movie. No, it's also got that cover just, like going for sexy lady vampire. Huh? Yeah, I'm just glad someone else knows it exists and it's not something I made up in my imagination. <laughs> no, it's real. Oof. I had to put it. I had to make cases for it and put it on a shelf at a video store, so it is real. It's so bad. Uh, it takes place in Romania and everyone becomes a vampire, and like it's just so stupid. Like brain. Cells. Also, no offense, we already had Colin Farrell. You can't really top that as far as sexy vampires go. I, I don't completely care the gender of the vampire. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Thank you so much to Tyler Grimes for joining us. You were a great for a great longtime fan for some first time caller. Well, <laughs> oh, thank you for having me. I loved I love this movement. I appreciate you guys uh, letting me talk to you guys about it. Of course. I'm sure we would love to have you again, obviously. Uh, Lauren, thanks for pestering us to do this episode for forever. You're welcome. You're welcome. We will be back in two weeks. We are going to be doing an episode on practical magic, which I'm very excited about. Um, as previously teased, I will continue to tease that we have a super. I don't, should we just? Should I just do the? Should I just tell them? I feel like. Yeah. I feel like it's silly to wait another like three weeks. Uh, Lauren and Tyler and I will be in Salem, Massachusetts, this October at the Weekend of the Witch of the Salem Horror Fest. I have never been more excited to do something in my entire life, I think. Um, <laughs> I think all th- this is very like a very exciting thing for all three of us, but this is for yes. I think me and Tyler. This is the culmination of all of our horror friendship movie <laughs> things. Yeah, we're going to like break up after that. Yeah, I'm never going to speak to him again. Um, <laughs> but I'm I'm really excited. Uh, ben will also be there. Again. <laughs> oh for Ben, it's just I- like another weekend. <laughs> He's like my yeah. girlfriend and her friends are into this. He's he's very supportive. But um we will be going, we will be taking our stuff and trying to do like some little recap episodes um of the stuff. They're going Faculty of Horror, our favorite podcast that does not sponsor us. Oh, that we, we hadn't continue. mentioned them yet. That was close. I got it. <laughs> that they continue to give coverage to. We'll be there doing a live episode on the House of the Devil. Yes. And we will be watching so we'll be watching the House of the Devil, Suspiria. Rosemary's Baby, just a bunch of movies that we love and we'll be very excited to talk about even briefly. So um, if you're listening to this podcast and you also happen to be going to that, let us know. We would love to hang out with you. But that's a super fun, like very new kind of episode for us that I'm really excited to do. Uh, But yeah, so that's the announcement and the Practical Magic episode is kind of a love letter to witchcraft and witches and whatnot that we are doing to kind of get hype for that three months out. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see you then. Um, Until then, we will be here podcasting on now a bi-weekly schedule, I believe. As always, if you are interested in being on the podcast or if you have words for us, you can contact us on Twitter at LTRFIPod. If you have something to say that can't be said in 280 characters, you can email us at LTRFIPod at gmail.com. Our website where we post 
episodes and episodes note episodes and episode notes is ltrfi.com if you would like to rate and review us on itunes that would always be fun but remember you're only allowed to leave five star ratings (laughs) (laughs) um just kidding you can leave whatever rating you want uh live your truth uh we will read all new ratings on the podcast because i love to suffer um but yeah, so just the ratings, not the reviews. Yeah, five stars. <laughs> like, wow, that's so Four weird. <laughs> this one says two stars, and we're just gonna not read the review that goes along. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, everybody has been very nice in reviewing us, and I appreciate that, including Lauren. <laughs> oh, I was so was, drunk. I, who I will say was not like an official co-host when she did that, so you can't be mad at her. You have journalistic integrity. <laughs> but yeah, so if you. <laughs> Um, yeah, if you have an idea for something you would like to do and you would like to be on this podcast, please feel free to reach out to us. We are always looking to schedule guests and fun encounters. Oh, Tyler, do you have anything you want to plug? No, I, I guess you could listen to one of my podcasts. I have the Tyler Grimes Show, which this podcast was featured on for our way too long three-hour episode, but I haven't updated that in a while. I'm hoping I can reboot it at the end of the summer. And then I also have another podcast, uh, Listen Well, a Love Well podcast, which I host, which is the organization that I work for, where we work around the world writing and staging original musicals with uh, students. And uh, that podcast is sort of a, takes multiple forms, but it's a nice look at what our organization does. And you can listen to some full length musicals written by students that are awesome. Uh, so I guess those are my two plugs. If I if I get a plug, I guess that's two plugs, not one plug. So you guys can you pick can which have plug. two plugs. That's cool. No, you can have two plugs. Those are great. That sounds super fun. Yeah. Um, oh, and I guess that is the other thing I can say is you can follow all of us individually on Twitter if you want. Tyler is at Tyler Hannon. Other Tyler is at RIP Grimy. Lauren is at Motel Siren, and I am at Personal Maps. So again, thank you so much to Tyler Grimes and. Uh, A24 is a great movie no. studio. Oh my God. And always will be. <laughs> we'll see, we'll they already have time. a Okay, well, we had Steven on, so we can't say uh, that Jurassic World is a terrible movie and always will be. <laughs> I will workshop something. We, we do will... need... Uh, listen, I just think that it's fair <laughs> as an outro. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was fun. Was it? Was it yes. good? Yeah. Was it fun? It was. Yes, it was. <laughs>